Hey listeners, just want to give you the quick heads up that this week's episode has a bit of a change to the format. Uh, so if you like it, let us know. If you don't, please let us know. But with that, let's jump right in. I woke up today feeling a little lightheaded. Pretty sure I ended up spending 200 Libra on drinks last night, but I should probably check my Calibra just to make sure. The sun felt a bit too harsh this morning, even though I had always preferred sunny days to rainy ones. That's partly why I decided to move to Dubai 10 months ago. It's always sunny here. That and the money, of course. The tips are just so much better here, especially at this fancy new hotel bar I just started working at. Still made out of bed to shut the curtains, I was somewhat surprised to find that I still had on my shoes. Man, last night's party must have been an absolute banger. Kathy always knows how to throw a party, and it was her big 30th birthday. Too bad her Libra ran out so quickly. My daily deposit had just hit at midnight. I volunteered to pitch in on a drunken whim. That's the thing about paying with smart wristbands. One flick of the wrist and beep, your Libra is gone uh, before you can even think twice. No wonder some people have opted to add a confirmation step by verbal command in addition to the always-on biometric authentication, even at the cost of taking a bit more time. Then again, it also gives somebody an opportunity to announce just how awesome they are with their generous tips or expensive purchases to everyone within earshot. But I suppose rich assholes who like to show off their wealth uh, is not exactly a new thing. My dad likes to talk about how people used to pay for things with paper bills and plastic cards. Some people also digitize their cards on mobile, he told me, but I don't know. They still had to go to a bank or the card first. It all just sounded so absurd and terribly inconvenient, even though I had seen people in the past, you know, in old movies. um, I guess it must have been true back then. I always laughed at when bank robbing scenes when they were carrying out bags full of paper money. If only we could rob Facebook the same way today. Dad also mentioned how Facebook was just a social network when he was young. Everyone on it was not there to do business. Instead, they were just chatting and sharing dumb stuff that they found on the internet with each other. My dad always said everything was a lot better back then, but I'm not sure. I believe the old geezer and his nostalgic tinted glasses. It's honestly so weird for me to think about Facebook like that as merely a social media company and not as a transnational conglomerate that happens to own Calibra and pretty much every bit of everything these days. Sitting back on my bed and putting on my glasses, I checked my Calibra balance and oh my God, they had charged me 400 libs. There literally goes my entire grocery budget for the week. Back to rice and ramen noodles, I guess. I wondered about the possibility of asking Kathy to pay me back for the share or at least text me some Libra to tie me over. Knowing her, I doubt I get any of my libs back anytime soon, which means I probably need to go yet again make up another excuse for not sending any Libra back home to help out with this month's mortgage. The wave of guilt I felt knowing how much they trusted me and how they chose not to set up the auto transfer on my paychecks like many other parents with kids working overseas tended to do. The shock and the resulting guilt was quite sobering, so I decided to get up and go get some food before checking with John to see if someone is taking a leave this week or next. People move around so damn much these days, hopping from country to country looking for the best pay. So there's got to be someone on the staff somewhere leaving for Shanghai or or potentially Paris soon. Didn't Alex mention last week that he was interviewing for a new synthetic vegan joint in Cairo? Perhaps I could ask him to take some of his shifts before uh, they find any replacement. Speaking of food, I suddenly felt very hungry. When I tried to pay for a breakfast sandwich, I took out from the community fridge down the hallway. A notification gently popped up to remind me of the brutal fact that my Calibra balance is now 124 libs in the red. 
gosh, I really need to pick up an extra shift soon or else I'd be paying those hefty loan interest to Facebook again. While chowing down my sandwich, I messaged John on WhatsApp about picking up any extra shifts, but he quickly replied saying there's no opening this week's schedule. Disappointed, I thought about going back to bed until my shift later tonight just so that I don't have to spend any more Libra today. But then a Facebook watch promo bubbled up offering some new interactive adventure show that looked pretty cool for just half a Libra an hour. Never one to turn down a good deal. I quickly accepted the offer. Before I knew it, I was two libs into the red and it was time to go to work. So what you just heard was a scenario of a potential future in 2040 when the Facebook's newest product announcement, Libra, uh, was adopted as, as a global currency. And I have with me today Adam Simon and Christina Andronli from the IPG Media Lab strategy team to discuss the feasibility and what Facebook needs to do in order to make this future a reality. So Adam and Christina, welcome to Floor 9. Well, we'll start with this then. What are your thoughts on Richard's piece of fiction? <laughs> How'd you like it? Uh, I thought it was really great. Um, I thought that uh, he f- had a nice balance focusing on the sort of day-to-day transactions and interactions that you would have with money, but he wove in some nice bigger picture things like about uh, how a, a global economy with one currency might work and how that might affect things like um, a new class of migrant workers and uh, people's mobility uh, around the world um, looking for the best economy and the best jobs. And I thought that that was really cool think we have the fortunate position at the lab too to dream about what the future looks like um, and think about who that consumer is and what their stories are. Um, I think it helps us be better innovators and helps our clients be better innovators when we can actually put ourselves in the shoes of the future consumer. And yes, we can understand kind of where markets are going and growth rates and trends and technical aspects of innovation. But I think I loved that it was so consumer focused and mm-hmm. really gave a nice picture of what that life looks like. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited to be here with the both of you to talk about uh, the different, I guess, challenges, the barriers, and I guess market conditions that need to actually happen uh, for this uh, you know, future to come true with Facebook Libra as a global currency. Because um, again, in Richard's piece, that is what has happened. Um, but today, you know, we were in 2019, that was in 20, 2040. Um, and there's a lot that needs to be discussed, um, especially with, with the regulators in the industry uh, today before that, can, before that future can actually be uh, something that is real. So um, I want to start quickly and just talk about, you know, for those that don't know what Facebook Libra is, what exactly is it? Um, Adam, would you like to, to t- tackle this question? <laughs> sure. Uh, Facebook Libra is a um, kind of a cryptocurrency um, that is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> it, yeah. Okay. It, but if you've heard of cryptocurrency, it's easiest to just think of it as cryptocurrency. We'll talk in a minute about why it's actually not. But is it is a digital currency that is um, built on top of a blockchain that is... Yeah, that's it. It's, yeah, it's a digital it. currency built on top of a blockchain. Yep. And it is... Um, you know, created and run by the Libra Association, which is um, not owned by Facebook. Facebook is a member, but there are um, a couple dozen other member companies. Or- yeah, there's there's 28 currently, okay. and it's headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland, yep. notably. So uh, the the currency itself is not it, it is was created by Facebook, but is not um, controlled by Facebook. 
Um, and then there's a second thing that is called Calibra, um, which is a Facebook-owned subsidiary um, that is focused on um, finance. And they will be building the sort of user interface, the first user interface for Libra, the, the first apps that you can use, um, uh, wallet apps that you can use with Libra. Yeah. And it's interesting to see um, just all the, I guess, for me, like the people that have actually bought into the Libra Association. Um, there is Facebook, who's kind of like leading the charge, but we have venture capitalists that have invested, um, notable like financial industry uh, companies like MasterCard and Visa, PayPal with Venmo, uh, Uber and Lyft have bought into this association. Um, so it has a really wide span uh, of kind of like current collaborators, and it's at 28, but they're looking to grow this to 100 uh, before the launch, and they're looking to launch this whole product in middle of 2020 next year, which seems pretty soon considering all the hurdles that they're going to have to go through to make this viable yeah. um, in all the different markets. So um, with that, let's just go straight into some of the, I guess, challenges that Facebook is going to be facing uh, to make this future reality that we had described at the beginning of the show happen. Um, and my first question to the both of you uh, is, you know, why do we think Facebook is in a better position than anybody else to make a digital currency? Or do we think they're not in a better position? Why, why them? I think first and foremost, it's their global scale. They have over 2 billion people on the platform now that are connected through a number of different apps, whether that's Instagram, Messenger, especially Facebook itself. Um, and they're really the ones that have the global connected network to pull this off in a way that someone like an Amazon, who we know has been investing in financial services, um, doesn't quite have the scale to do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's the global network on both sides. It's consumers, obviously, um, but it's also businesses. Tons of businesses uh, use Facebook either for marketing purposes or um, have accounts that are already running some of their money um, through Facebook uh, through for advertising. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just going to grow as we see. They've rolled out, started rolling out um, Instagram shopping and yep. shopping features even into WhatsApp. So uh, there's going to be more and more businesses coming on board um, with with official business accounts on on Facebook properties. So I think those two sides, the fact that they have both of those things um, is kind of key. And it's really hard to think of uh, another company that is as well positioned um, globally, not mm -hmm. just in the US. Like I think Amazon in the US or in the West is probably well positioned, but they're far weaker on a global scale. Right. But what about like another like traditional bank, for example, like, I know like JP Morgan is has some project out there in the blockchain realm, trying to like kind of like do something similar, maybe not make a currency, but like have like that infrastructure in place to do money transactions. Because it seems like for Facebook specifically, uh, the main product that they're focusing on right now is going to be like that remittance yeah. uh, transaction back and forth. Yeah, I don't think that any one bank is going to have the scale that's going to make them as viable. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you know we could and probably will eventually see banks uh, build up some sort of consortium, sort of how they did with Zelle uh, for money transfer, to do something similar. I think that that is probably in the, the medium term something that will happen. But uh, the fact that they haven't done that already tells you <laughs> that it's going to be a while because they're going to have to uh, get started. And, and there's always sort of the, do they really want to compete with this or if this if libra is actually something they believe in should they just hop on board and join this initiative which obviously as you said has the backing of a lot of um, important and powerful companies right um 
And speaking of important and powerful companies, Facebook is one of them. Uh, they're not necessarily tied to Calibra, but like it's, it's through a subsidiary. But um, I'm curious, like, like what what's the benefit for them in this? Like, what benefit does Facebook get for, I guess, like in a sense, running transactions and payments on their on their platforms between WhatsApp and Messenger and Facebook proper? I actually think this relates back to a conversation we were just ha- having um, with regard to the banks that. Um, I think it's harder to disrupt your own business versus being a tech platform or almost in an adjacent industry, seeing opportunity and seeing profit or opportunity up for grabs and um, being able to leverage your own assets to think about that problem in a new way. I think that tends to be just a harder challenge when you're at a financial services company for example, I think the benefit for Facebook is this can set them up to be, um, among other things, set them up to be a bigger player in commerce and set them mm-hmm. up to have a greater share of not just wallet, but attention in a consumer's life and expand into new categories that then reinforce a flywheel on the platform. Yeah, I think at, at its most basic level, just uh, like like with uh, Google and with uh, Amazon and Alibaba, Facebook is at a scale where just the more people who are uh, do transacting online, the better for them. And this is a way for them to get involved in the transaction side of things right. and not just the, the communications and messaging side of things. Um, and I think that... This keeps more activity on their platforms. And strategically, there is um, something to be said for just taking those opportunities wherever you can see them and then figuring out the business model for it later. I mean, they have come out and said, basically said that as much, that there will be more merchants on their platforms and more consumers transacting on their platforms. And that will generate uh, naturally more advertising opportunities, uh, which is the official party line of of why Facebook is doing this. (laughs) And I think that that makes sense. But I think the thing that everybody is afraid of is that um, being so adjacent to advertising means that the temptation to co-mingle the the data that is coming out of Calibra uh, and the wallet app uh, that that, that transaction data with your Facebook profile, for example, or or just other information that they that Facebook knows about you to better target you, uh, is the thing that everybody is afraid of. Right, um, and they're saying, you know, right now they're saying all the right things that that's never going to happen, but uh, you know, these well, things change. Yeah, now I'll, I'll, I'll draw your attention to when they announced the portal product, and when they said at the very announcement of it. Uh, we will not use this product for advertising right. purposes. And then a week later, they retract that statement saying, surprise, we actually are going to be using the camera on the portal device to impact you know, advertisements that might, be, that might be surfaced on your feed. And, and I think in that case, it was actually just the person who was speaking didn't actually know the full story. In, in the case of Calibra, even if we take them at their word and every single person who works at Facebook is on board with not sharing data, with the advertising side of the business, even if everybody's on that page today, there's no guarantee that everybody's going to be on that page five years from now or 10 years from now. Um, these things change and uh, right. there's there's no reason to think that at some point that temptation is just going to be too strong. Right. I, yep, I agree. So I think that you know you can say everything correctly and even have all the correct intentions today, but that doesn't mean anything in the future. I also wonder if this is a hedge against... And not that it's happening anytime soon, but a diversification away from advertising 100%. where it's in their best interest almost to 
either only lightly commingle or not commingle at all for trust and regulation reasons, but essentially weaning themselves off of advertising and enabling a different type of business model, whether that's hand-to-hand retail um, and commerce within Messenger or other business models that might emerge from, um, you know, taking cuts of transactions, what have you. But um, I almost think that advertising is obviously at a mature point where there's no not much more growth that can be seen there. So their vested interest is designing tools and services to keep people on the platforms and have them pay attention in different ways other than things that incent advertising. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I think this that's the reason this is happening now and didn't happen two or three years ago, let's say. Yeah. Um, but I also think that the, the sort of these things ebb and flow and um, at Facebook's ad platform will continue to grow in new ways and uh, based on new products and, you know, potentially video advertising or we know that they're interested in getting into over the top TV advertising, right? Like that mm-hmm. is a potential area of growth for them. So I don't think advertising is going away as a priority for them, which is why I think it's justified to have the concern about the data sharing. And hopefully they, you know, everybody understands that it is more important to keep these things separate and to have have that transaction be a viable second business and second source of revenue for them. But again, you never know what things are going to look like down right. the road. Always, always follow the money. And for right. Facebook, that's <laughs> advertisement. So Christina, I want to go back and talk about something that you mentioned, which was consumer trust. Um, how... I guess, how important is consumer trust going to play in the adoption of this product successfully? Um, Because when I look at it and I take a peek, it's like, ooh, I think right now it's very, 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 you know, important for Facebook to build that consumer trust. But again, they're in a situation where they just don't have it currently based off, you know, all of 2018 uh, and those issues that that they have faced. So how important do you think this consumer trust is going to be with Facebook specifically in order for this project to take off? Yeah, I think in this case, trust gives the currency its intrinsic value. And if you don't have trust, you don't have users and you have no value, um, to put it very simply. Um, I do think their choice of who to bring on as founding members is very telling to me. It's some of the most beloved brands in the world, whether that's Lyft or Spotify, for example, um, that even go beyond financial services. I think they are very consciously borrowing equity and trust equity from these brands. Um, That was very deliberate in the same way that, um, you know, the Nest Home Hub is the Nest Home Hub. Right. Um, I think it has... There obviously is the usage on the consumer side as well as on the business side to be on those platforms, whether or not the trust is there to float this type of currency. Portal is not a good indicator for them. Um, But potentially with the backing of all of these major credit card companies, banks, beloved consumer brands, that could be enough to get this over the hump. Yeah, and I think there's also like a um, you know something you said about like our U.S. view versus like a global view too, right? Like, you know, I think in the U.S. there's a lot less trust with Facebook, uh, but again, this is going to be a, a, a global product. So in, in, in different markets where they are actually looking to launch first, uh, that might be a way for them to 
kind of ride the tide of this distrust in the U.S. launch in you know foreign markets and, and then bring it to the U.S. you know when they kind of reestablish themselves. Um, but to your point, you know, like they brought in all these different individuals, um, and I'm just curious, you know, do we think that like that's enough, right? Like, do we think that this Libra will kind of transition from Facebook Libra to like the Libra Association as its own identity, and that might just be a time? I don't know, or maybe never. I think it's definitely a time thing, but I think to your point, it's if they can get a foothold in emerging markets, in markets where WhatsApp is trusted and used a lot, um, which is a lot of markets around the world, um, I think that they can back their way into being used by people in countries like the US and in Western Europe, uh, where there is lots of mistrust of Facebook. Um, it's going to take a really long time, I think, before it is a uh, a trusted, you know, primary way of paying for things in developed countries and mm-hmm. that that has to do with trust but also just that we already have lots of great tools if you have um if you're not uh if you're uh, established financially you already have a lot of great digital tools to do a lot of the things that libra would help with um so it'll be a while before it's it's big enough to displace some of those tools but you know uh everything changes more in 10 years than you think it's going to and i think that uh, things happening in personal finance and payments. Uh, there's a lot of activity there and Facebook is basically throwing their hat in the ring to have an entrant. And if they can stay ahead of the game and, um, innovate on top of the, the base of Libra, they might be able to win people over eventually. Speaking of a global currency, Latin America is actually a prime market for uh, Facebook to target with this new product. So we reached out to one of the lab's global ambassadors, uh, Felipe, who is an expert in the LATAM market uh, for his POV on their new product. So Felipe, let us know your thoughts. We have a positive outlook for Libra in Latin America, particularly by attacking the remittances market and the unbanked, which are a very large, sizable part of the population here. But on remittances, Mexico is the third largest market in the world, and all of Latin America is estimated to be around $88 billion per year and growing at a double-digit pace. So also Central America also would benefit greatly as many countries like Guatemala and El Salvador where remittances are largely what drives household income and spend, which contributes strongly to GDP growth on those markets. So the business case for Libra, at least on the issue of remittances, is pretty clear for us. As commissions are around 6% or 7%, that's why we believe that Libra adoption will grow pretty quickly as there is a good set of incentives on the senders of money to make their families shift to Libra. It's pretty hard to imagine people on developing markets buying cryptocurrency on their own. But when they have to do it in order to receive their money, there's a clear incentive for them to shift. And since remittances are largely coming from the U.S., where senders uh, should have no problems uh, or barriers to adopt these technologies, we see that this will cascade down pretty quickly to Latin America and also form the first crop of Libra users on this region, which won't be rich people trying to buy things. It's going to be mostly poor families trying to get money from people who work and live outside of their markets. So... Then it should expand into microtransactions or credit, as our economies have a lot of informal transactions happening. But also we have governments that are pretty keen on keeping control and regulating these activities. So we don't know it will be adopted pretty quickly. It's a great, uh, great 
POV from Felipe. Um, but again, I, I think that goes back to showing us like how key like, remittances is, is going to be uh, for the adoption of this in you know different markets around the world. Like it seems like that seems to be like the one key selling point, and like that's going to start the flywheel. Yeah, it definitely yeah. seems like seems like that's that's the way in uh, because it is something that structurally Libra has an advantage on is transaction fees um, for sending and receiving money, which is just something that, um, you know, again, in developed markets, it matters less to us. We have though we have that those fees built into the way that we think about moving money around. Um, but when it comes to lower income uh, regions, that is, is a huge issue and something that will be difficult for established banks to compete directly with. They'll have to, you know, create something similar to Libra. I actually think too, it doesn't hurt that that's a nice PR story too, to give benefit to the underprivileged and making their lives easier. I think there obviously is business upside, but I think there's also brand upside in coming out with a tool that helps you send money to developing nations versus a commerce platform based on Instagram. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But another market that Facebook has actually spoken uh, about uh, is uh, is India. But they have had some pretty strict regulations in place that have pretty much banned all banks and businesses from doing any sort of work with cryptocurrencies in general. Um, So how do you kind of see this uh, response um, from like one of those like kind of top markets for Facebook they go into and they can't and they've actually said like they won't go into it because the right the restrictions in place just won't be beneficial for the for the for the product that they're working on. Yeah, I mean India takes a huge potential market out of 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 the play for Libra right away, which is not great for them. Um, I think th- at the end of the day, they came out with a big press release and white paper, basically, um, and not a product. Um, And the biggest headwinds they're facing right now is that they basically, every government around the world with any power put them on notice and said, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You can't just introduce a global currency that is uh, largely controlled by a single private American corporation. Uh, You have to work with us to do something like this. And in some cases they're just saying, no, you can't do this at all. Yeah. And, and, and why would governments, uh, be against this, Adam? Like what, what, (laughs) what's the, uh, the, the, the incentive for Facebook not to have a global currency? Uh, well, the reason governments are against it is that it removes a major piece of governmental control um, and, and, and influence that government has over, over people in their country, which is currency. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, – and, and it's not just that it removes it, but that it hands it to another country. It hands it to a private corporation. So in, in a world where this succeeds uh, beyond everybody's ima- wildest imaginations, like Richard wrote about uh, – the way that the entire global economy works looks dramatically different from how it ever <laughs> has in, in the history of uh, human culture. Uh, and I think that, you know, on one hand, it seems like it makes sense and it seems inevitable at some point for there to be a global internet native digital currency. Like that seems like something that we're going to have to get to eventually. Um, but on the other hand, there are so many potential problems with that, um, especially you know the influence of private corporations over governments, which is which is something that's been growing for a long time. And really, you know, calling back to what we t- are talking about in our outlook this year of unintended consequences, um, there were so many things that just altering our communications infrastructure that that happened that we weren't expecting that 
altering our financial infrastructure quickly, um, let's say over the course of a decade or two, uh, to a this sort of global digital currency is going to have unintended consequences of some kind. <laughs> and I think that what all the governments are saying, even the most optimistic side of things is, let's stop and think about this a little harder than you thought about social media in the first place, because we don't want to end up with whatever the financial equivalent of Russian botnets are. <laughs> like, and maybe it's Russian botnets again. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but uh, how do we avoid those, at least think through those consequences mm-hmm. more? And this is really, again, I think where Facebook's reputation is coming back to bite them. If this were coming from, say, Google, has a reputation for at least a little bit thinking through, through these things a little more. Uh, I think that the story might still be pushed back from governments, but it might be a little less adamant. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know one of the big regulations that, especially today, like in the hearings, uh, the 10 minutes that I watched on YouTube um, about Facebook going in front of the, in front of the Congress today was all about the whole, like, know your consumer act. And this, and this is really the idea when you get into like, these financial services that you have to know who your consumer is and verify that they aren't taking money and then pretty much laundering it for, you know, fraud or terrorism or whatever it might be. Um, and kind of looking through like the white paper and talking about like what Facebook um, has announced, uh, they're, putting a lot of the responsibility um, outside of the Calibra wallet, which they will use a government ID to actually identify users with uh, on their partners and like the network that's out there. Uh, so what they have said is that um, if somebody else is using like a third party wallet, or if you're exchanging cash to Libra at like a Seven Eleven or a corner store, uh, whatever it might be for a little top up shop, uh, they're kind of putting the onus of that. Know your, know your customer onto that network, uh, you know, partner. Uh, so it's just interesting to see that again, it kind of seems like Facebook is really good at not taking responsibility for some things um, that they have created. But then again, from a, a strategic, from a business standpoint, of course, it makes a lot of sense. Like you don't want to be liable for all that. But uh, just something that I thought was interesting that they seem they seem to be kind of pushing things um, down the line that are necessarily outside of their control. So talking about trusting Facebook and you know knowing their consumers, we've got a great clip from Combiz, who is the head of digital commerce from the UM Germany office, to shed his perspective on Facebook and what it means for their market. Combiz, take it away. Well, there are many negative opinions out there attacking Facebook, uh, Facebook's Libra as some sort of massive scale fraud or conspiracy with the ultimate goal to take control of not only our data and privacy, but also our money. Um, and there are always people seeing a doomsday scenario in each and every innovation that has been brought to the mankind so far. So in my honest opinion, Libra can be the greatest opportunity to facilitate state-of-the-art technology in order to accelerate the fourth uh, socioeconomic revolution by tokenizing, respectively digitalizing all assets and items representing value in our world, such as all kinds of property. And um, by using the trustless blockchain as underlying technology, Libra is uh, attempting to cut out the middleman and bring safe and cheap banking features to the world in in a seamless way, especially to those who live in technologically less developed areas of our world, the so-called unbanked people. Um, Still, I am very skeptical about this enterprise due to the infrastructural and technical complexity of um, aligning so many different stakeholders and ecosystems into just one. 
Um, but in case the Libra Consortium succeeds, it will be one of the greatest ventures ever initiated and would have a Bretton Woods-like um, impact on our global monetary system. And in any other case, it will help to foster mass adoption of digital currencies and cryptocurrencies and their uh, regulation. And thank you for that. Um, you know, assuming all this goes through and Facebook is able to, you know, get through regulation, build that consumer trust, um, and build this global digital currency, um, you know, it, it's going to not impact not only on, on consumer behavior, but our governments and you know, pretty much like our global economy. Um, so if you're looking at this today from like a brand perspective, um, you know, I guess what are some things that we should be thinking about? Should we, is, is this something that we should just kind of sit around and monitor? Is it something that brands should be thinking about? Like, well, how do we, um, you know, participate in this? Um, you know, or is it just really like today it's just too early to tell? I think that brands should certainly start thinking about the use cases for how to play in a commerce ecosystem within Facebook. I think before even engaging as a founding member or things like that, I think if I had to guess what Uber and Spotify did was think about how their consumer set is using mess or is using WhatsApp is using messenger is using Instagram, thinking through all of those user flows and user journeys and how they even work together to assess an opportunity of, are my consumers here? Are they using it? What are they using it for? And then what is the role of my brand in playing within that ecosystem all the way through from discovery to transaction? I think first understanding that um, is a good first step to understanding the impact of Libra on a business. Um, but I think because of scale and because of who they are and how much discovery happens on the platform and how much conversation and usage happens on the platform, I do think it's a worthwhile um, thing to look into. I do think it's early to tell if consumers will um, use this or what usage will be, but I think it's something worth looking into. Yeah, I think for most of the brands that we work with, they're really focused on wealthier consumers in developed markets. And uh, as we said, it's going to be a while, if ever, that we really see adoption of Libra for uh, most of those users. I think we, we can safely say five years at least. So it's more of a wait and see and, and monitor what's happening. That said, if we do see uh, if we do see adoption in developing markets, I don't think we should uh, we should assume that that will eventually spread to developed markets as well. Uh, I think that there's an obvious sort of roadmap there for them to follow to start to um, pull that adoption into into new places. And kind of regardless of what happens with Libra, um, every brand should be thinking about where they sit in the uh, value chain for transactions because we we'll end up with something like Libra eventually. It might not be mm -hmm. Libra. It might be something else. Um, but we payments will evolve into this over the next decade, no matter what. So uh, it's good to think about where your brand can fit in and what value you can offer along the payments value chain. Absolutely. Well, listeners, if you like the piece of fiction that we uh, opened the show with, uh, you can find a link in our show notes to the full version. It'll be on our Medium website. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, and if you you know like the episode and want to share your thoughts and opinions, tweet at us. We're at, we're at IPG Lab. We would love to know uh, what your thoughts are on Facebook Libra projects and if it can actually be a uh, successful global currency. Why or why not? Let us know and talk soon.